Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Mosaic Life Podcast. My name is Trey Kaufman, and it's my goal to introduce you to leaders from all over the world who are living their best lives and the habits they've developed and the work they've done to get there. While you're listening to this episode, please consider leaving a five-star review. For every new five-star review, a fairy gets its wings. As I get closer to being 150 episodes into this podcast, it gets easier for me to shuffle conversations into categories specifically related to how the topics of conversation have improved my life. If I were to actually count how many episodes were directly related to health and nutrition, I have no doubt it would be the top category, and for good reason. We can talk about happiness all day, which I tend to, but ultimately my own happiness is predicated upon how I feel day in and day out. It's because of conversations like the one you're about to hear with my good friend Stephanie that I have been empowered with the tools to feel good all of the time. Stephanie, whom you might recognize from episode 77, and I go deep into the mindset behind food and how what we put into our bodies directly influences not only how we feel, but our overall health. Stephanie Shaw is a nutrition strategist who helps high-performing midlife women get the body they desire and the confidence they deserve. Stephanie helps these women peel back the layers of the intricate health puzzle down to the DNA and shows them precisely what to do. As a result, her clients lose and keep off the weight and build a sustainable lifestyle of confidence, energy, and love for their bodies. I'm so thankful to have Stephanie back on the podcast. Please welcome my good friend, Stephanie Shaw. Stephanie, how how are you? I'm doing great, Trey. It's so, I'm, thank you so much for inviting me back. You know, that, that makes me feel good. Are you kidding me? I loved our conversation. I love the chance whenever we get to, I mean, I, I, I oh, shoot, I should have checked to see last time uh, we recorded. I mean, it's been probably close to a year. And so. I mean, it's just, it's always nice being able to chat with you. And I, I don't know, it's, it's nice that we are semi-local to each other. I don't know, it's, just, it's yes. fun to catch up. Yeah, I know. My my son actually moved to your area. So nice. uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be in even closer, <laughs> more frequently. <laughs> That's awesome. What uh, what part of Columbus? Uh, proper. He's right downtown. Nice. That's yeah. awesome. That's a good yeah. place to be. Yeah. yeah. Well, cool. Um, well, I, I'm excited to catch up. I, I love talking about health and wellness. Every time I get the chance to do so, I learn something new. I get to nerd out a little bit and I don't know. For me, this is a perfect time to talk about it because the weather, <laughs> well, the weather is kind of breaking and then it goes back. I mean, it's the old whole Ohio joke uh, that we get about five winters, but I think we're, we're pretty close to it. But I, I, I love being outside. I love running. I love, you know, going outside and working out. And so just staying fit, staying active, this is the best time for me to do so. And I, I just having that mentality of, health and wellness first. It's, it's been so important to me. Has, I mean, do you feel that, that shift in seasons with the way that you 
your motivations and your health and, you know, your exercise and all of that goes? Yeah, definitely. I'm telling you, if, especially with the, the time change and so forth, because I, I don't get up in the morning and exercise. I don't do it till seven, eight o'clock at night. And I know people think that's weird, but I, that's when I feel motivated to exercise. Yeah. So now that the time has shifted and there's a little light still outside, I am much more ready to get up and go versus having to like go to the mall or somewhere closed in to walk. So yeah, yeah. It, it's all good. That's, that's Bye. good. <laughs> <laughs> what, um, I mean, what, uh, what has, what has been your personal focus, um, the first few months of this year? What are you working on anything in particular? Do you have any health related goals that you're trying to accomplish? Yeah. So my health related goals have been more around consistency than anything. I always talk to, uh, clients or people I just talked to about an 80-20 rule, but I want to break that 80-20 rule just for myself because I know how good I feel. So I'm trying really hard to work more towards a 90-10 rule for myself. And for me, that means, you know, um, cooking at home a lot more. That means decreasing my sugar intake and let's just natural sugar, things like that. So I've been super focused on that and the mindset part of it. Um, because I've been finding that you can do what you need to do, but if you don't, if you're not thinking about why you're eating the way you're eating, or what's going on in your environment, or who may be causing you to kind of right. get off track, if you're not doing any of that, then no matter what you're eating, it's not going to all work out. So mindset, and then again, also trying to bump my personal goal up to more of a eat really good, not ninety percent of the time, and then ten percent of the time, you know, enjoy life. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can enjoy life when you're eating well. I should sure. say it that way. <laughs> no, absolutely. And yeah. mindset is so so important. Yes. Um, I, I really wish I would have looked to see last time we spoke, but it's like like I said, it's probably been about a year, and I probably didn't have this goal fully established last time we spoke. My goal is to feel good one hundred percent of the time, so I'm I'm with you and holding myself to a very strict standard. And with that, I make I, I will say I make ninety nine point nine 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 percent of my own meals. I, I I I can't remember the last time I went out to eat, but I'm sure there's one in there that pulls it down just below one hundred percent. But when I'm able to control every input, everything that goes into my body, it, it, uh, it minimizes the risk for letting something bring me down or letting something make me feel not great. And that, that goal has been so important in my life. And I see, I, I see and feel most importantly, the results of, of doing so. And that's, I, I, I get where you come from wanting to do a 90-10 and I get that messaging as well, letting people have some leniency in their lives. Yeah. I don't have that leniency. And I think we talked about this before. And for me, I have to be all or nothing. And mm-hmm. and even though it can be difficult to do so, I'm happy that I am because I, I, I do feel good all the time. Yeah. What... Where, 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 where does that, where does that land for you? Because I know it can be so difficult when somebody wants to go all in and when they get us hit, hit a setback, it can really be damaging. And so that's exactly where I was going to point to, um, cause you're, you're unique in a lot of ways in all positive ways. Sure. And sometimes some people are built that way. They're all or nothing. So I was, um, and during our last conversation, I talked a little bit about how sick I was for two years yeah. and I was not playing around. Like I went to weddings with my own food. I went to funerals with my own food. No matter where I went, I completely made sure I ate for almost two years, 
exactly what I cooked. So I yes. had a regimen in place because I'm like you. I love, first of all, I wanted to get better. And when I started getting better, I'm like, oh, this feels really good. Yes. <laughs> like I can run up the stairs real quickly. And I'm like in my late 40s feeling better than I did in my 20s. So I, I totally get that. Where it lands is that, again, everyone's not that way. And a lot of times what happens to some folks is they'll go in 100% and then they'll flip. Then they're like 1090. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. I, can't, I can't sustain it, so I'm just not doing it at all. And that's why I always insert that 80-20 rule, just so people have, they recognize that you need to work really hard, but you at times you may need to give yourself grace. And when that comes Go ahead, allow that grace. But again, I'm like you, Trey. I don't. I I'm off the hundred percent rule because you know I live at home. I cook yeah. for other people in my house. Going out to eat is like kind of our thing to do because we're boring people. <laughs> so, so so that's my my ten percent there. But when when we when I have those really good hundred percent weeks, I'm telling you, it is so magical. The way that I feel, it is. Oh my God, absolutely. Um, I have to give you props. That is hardcore to take your own food to a wedding and a funeral. (laughs) I I, I will say that I thought I was hardcore because I went on vacation last year and I I pre-made all of my meals ahead of time. I'm like, that is hardcore. But (laughs) taking your own to the meeting or to a a wedding, that is next level. So... So, so funny. Um, so first of all, we're going on vacation in a couple of weeks and that's exactly what I'm doing. Like, I'm like, okay, yes. we're, we're in an Airbnb. I'm like, all right, we're food. We're meal prepping before we yes. go. Everyone's like, this is vacation. I'm like, I don't care. But um, yeah, so it was a probably, my cousin got married in, it's probably been three, four years ago. And well, it would have had to been, it was between 17 and 19. And uh, I, t- I took all of my own food, my vegetables, everything I had. And while people were eating their food, I politely got my little bag out, put it, people were looking at me like, was crazy. <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, she said to me, it's in the past 30 days, she said, you know what? You were really, really sick at my wedding. I'm like, yeah, I was. She's like, cause you brought your own food. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I think I told her, I said, yeah, cause I brought my own food. I was sick. And, and there, so there's just times when I think that you have to, you know, suck it up and be all in. <laughs> yeah. But I don't want that to stop people from their path if that's not the way that they're built. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, trust me, I mean, I, I think you used these words almost verbatim last time we spoke. I And I, I will use them in the same way you did. I, this is not something that I would recommend for anybody. People have to have grace in their lives and just because you do 90, 10 or 80, 20, you know, that 20% of the time isn't going to erase all of the work you've done. Now, if we need to be honest with ourselves, it's not going to necessarily help the work you've done, but it is not going to completely diminish the mindset that you're, you know, set you back in the mindset that you have, or completely eradicate all of the health benefits that you get from making 80% of your own meals. But people, you just need to have that realization that when you have that grace that gives you permission to do one thing today and then get back on the wagon train, whatever tomorrow and pick up where you left off. Yeah. And, and, and you made me think of something too. So my 20% does not look like 12, um, 
Big Macs and right, right. ice cream. My 20% looks like going out to eat and having a salad and eating the regular dressing. At the, you know what sure. I mean? Yeah. <laughs> or grabbing the bread that's on the table kind of thing. So still being mindful of what I'm putting in my body, but maybe not overly my or not um, feeling like I need to restrict. And if I want to eat a piece of bread, I'll eat that piece of bread. Or if I want some fries, I will. But it's not, again, like take every piece of junk food and fry it up in your house 20% of the time. So yeah, I just that, want to clarify. <laughs> that's a great clarification. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it seems to me, and I've had this conversation with other people offline, that so, and I, I'm saying this to you for your feedback, that so much of our health and subsequently the problems that we have have to do with what we put into our body. How true is that for you? One million percent. Like I, and I, sometimes I think, am I too aware of what's going on in my body? But then I think, is that really a thing? Um, if so, let's say even good healthy stuff, let's say I had a week of drinking kombuchas. No. Well, I know a week later I'm going to have hot flashes for a week. Or if I I make like date brownies and you can only eat a little piece of them because they're super rich. But let's say I ate a little bit extra. I know that I'm going to have a hot flash or I'm not going to feel good. Um, I also know that, you know, while I'm not dairy uh, intolerant, I'm sensitive to things. So even knowing that I can eat an egg once every other week versus trying to do it every day. So that all of that impacts me. And I think the way the best way for you to start to recognize that is to, I mean, some people, I, I just did it mentally and for a while I tracked, but start tracking yes. like what you're eating and then don't just track the food. So I can't just track ate an egg for breakfast. I need to, you know, an hour later say how I'm feeling or that night, did I sleep well? And kind of go back and look at that history. You have to become a detective basically. Yeah, yeah. And once you start doing that detective work, you will see. So again, I know right now if I, you know, I haven't eaten an egg in quite a while. So if I went to eat an egg and maybe some dairy, I could today, but I also know that I should not do that tomorrow or the symptoms will come back or I shouldn't do it. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. there has to be this period of time. So what you put in your body, even if you aren't recognizing the relationship, it is impacting you. So um, my mom, for example, if she eats uh, oatmeal every single day, she coughs, but she refuses to listen to me. Of course, <laughs> <laughs> what do I know? I'm like, if you stop eating oatmeal. So it, it, little things like that. Always look at the relationship between food and your reaction in your body because it impacts all of our health. It impacts our, all of, you know, the insulin, leptin, grenaline, all of the different hormones in our body. Everything is impacted by what we eat. That, that is such an important lesson. I think there's this notion that if we're going to track our food, we need to track our macros and, you know, the, no. the calorie intake and all of that. But that's, that, that is not to me, that is not the most important lesson there. It's you need to, you, when you eat something, think about how it makes you feel subsequently, uh, yes. you know, the next five or six hours to the next day. And mm -hmm. I, I, a, a year or two ago, I had done that and I've kind of gotten to a place where I don't need to anymore. But because of that detective work, as you said, I I, I don't get fatigued at the end of the day. I mm -hmm. There was this weird issue and I, I'm not going to be able to describe it very well, where there would be times where like I would feel 
like my fingertips just feel weird. Like they kind of feel numb when I would just feel lethargic. I would just feel not good. And through a change in my diet and proper supplementation, I, I haven't felt that in well over a year. I just, it's, it, it's so hard to say it any different way. It's just, I feel good all of the time because I put in the work to get there. Yeah, I know that. And, and the, it to me, it it frustrates my mind. It frustrates my spirit. It frustrates my heart when uh, the first um, reaction is, "Oh, you know, I'm tingling in my hands and feet. Maybe I have neuropathy. Maybe I have diabetes. Oh, I need to get on this medicine." And I'm not saying so, because right, sometimes right. you may need to get on some type of medication. So I'm not saying anything negative about it. But if just think. If you could change the way you ate, eat really good food and not have to go down that route and or reverse some of those symptoms, I kind of think, why would you? Because what during my health crisis, <laughs> um, I was offered so many different drugs, shots, operations. And the only thing I did, Trey, <laughs> was track what I ate. Yes. And then I increased supplementation until my body got readjusted. And that's all like... No, I think I took Tylenol two or three times in the four years, but two years, but it was because, you know, at some point you get stressed out, like, when will this ever end? Maybe I need to kind of thing. Um, but on a regular basis, like no medicine, no drugs, no surgery or anything like that. And food, when they say that uh, food can heal your body, food truly can heal your body. I think people, you have to do the research and you can't just um, eat, you know, common American what we think is good. Oh, I'll eat a salad and then I'll eat chicken or kind of thing. You need a lot of variety. You need variety in um, color. You need variety in the types of grains that you're taking in your body, the types of fiber. And it becomes fun after a while to try to figure all those things out. And again, after a while, you get a pattern going. But once you start feeding your body, that truly becomes your medicine. And you're right. You start to feel good all the time. Like I'm in my fifties. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, why didn't someone tell me this when I was <laughs> a teenager? Like this is all I had to do is eat right. Oh, okay. <laughs> Absolutely. And yes. going back just a little bit mm -hmm. in regard to mindset, I, mm -hmm. so much of that was me thinking about my relationship with food and we are so I, I'm, I'm sorry. I know this is going to sound judgmental, but we are so screwed up in the head about our relationship with food. We, we, we grow up with it being part of tradition and, you know, it's tradition to have a birthday cake at, at birthday parties. It's tradition to have big meals at holidays with your family. It's just this, this relationship that we have, it, it, it burrows deeper than surface level. When food is fuel, it's, it's fuel. It allows us to operate and feel good. But when you have pressure from family or parents or friends to eat or drink something specific, you, you feel like you need to, and you need to sacrifice the quality of your life based on feeling like you fit in. And it's, it, again, I'm sorry to say it, it's dangerous. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's, it's dangerous because it's, it's a, a lesson that we teach folks. So in my community, every single, after every soccer game, let's get ice cream after right. baseball, let's get ice cream. Uh, so um, it, you're right. It, be, it becomes a reward system. So when you become an adult and you, in your mind, you think, oh, I just did something well, I'm going to reward myself. Let me try food. And more than likely, it's not going to be something healthy. You're going to right. reward yourself with what you grew up with. 
our so our family we're we're a diverse mix. We have a vegan, a vegetarian, a pescatarian, um, someone that eats pretty much anything, um, a non beef eater, a non pork eater, and that's just eight of us. Uh, so when we I and I'm the primary person that cooks when we have huge uh, family events, and I stopped doing all the junk like yeah. I just stopped. They were like, "Oh my gosh, what?" what are we doing Memorial Day if we <laughs> make it rip? I'm like, talk to each other, play games, <laughs> eat healthy food, you know? And so for birthdays, even we've gone from the huge, I don't even know what size cake it is to, you know, we still get a round cake for everyone, but like everyone's sharing this cake that normally one person would have eaten. Like there's eight people sharing the cake now. Right. So you're right. It, it, it um, impacts our life at a greater level. I'm going to give you this like three minute story, um, not even three minutes. Please. So I was on a training call and this, and I want to get to anyone who's listening about the, the impact that food can truly, truly have on people. So on a call, I'm listening to someone. She had a client and her client was doing well, but she could not stop eating Snickers bars like she still every night had to have that snicker bar and or some type of junk. After they did the mindset work as a child, her mom had boyfriends over and she would take her to the store, let her buy any type of candy she liked. And of course, it was always Snickers. Right. And she would tell her, as long as you stay in your room, you can eat all the candy you want. She was already overweight. She didn't have friends. So that candy became her friend. Yeah. And as an adult, being overweight with diabetes, heart disease, all of these other symptoms, she couldn't understand why she could not stop that one thing. And it was all part of a childhood connection that she had. Once she kind of broke that, understood, you know, the the behavior changes that she needed to make, that's when she was able to, you know, get more healthy. But I'm, I'm telling, I say that long story to say that the way that we start uh, rewarding our children around food and the way that we reward ourselves around food. It's not just about the food. It does impact your health and it impacts you long-term. Yeah, that's, um, I, I don't have kids I, at this point. I, I probably won't. So I, I know that I, well, I guess I don't know how challenging it can be to raise kids in a way that is healthy. And I, I know there's so much added processed garbage and food from toddlers all the way up to adults. And I mean, when, how, how do you work with your clients to help develop a healthy relationship or how would you work with a client who wants to develop a healthy relationship with the food for their kid as they are going from, you know, a toddler all the way through teens and adulthood? Yeah. So <laughs> you don't want my method. My method was I buy the food, I cook the food, you eat the food. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, my kid doesn't like, because uh, they have a job. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, but you know, everyone, people do have likes and dislikes. So I respected the serious likes and dislikes that my kid didn't have. But if they just didn't want to eat their vegetables that night and it was a vegetable they normally ate, it, sure. you know, okay, just don't eat kind of thing. So that's my parenting style, but I'm getting better as a grandparent. So <laughs> um, what I often suggest is kids model what you do. So yeah. if you are 
going through the drive-through every night after work, if you are eating pizza or junk late at night, if you are rewarding yourself with some type of food, that is what they're going to emulate. So what you put in front of them is what, again, what they'll want. So I did have a client and she's like, oh my gosh, now I'm going to have to cook two meals because my son will never eat this and so forth. So, you know, because she was my client, I didn't say what I just said to you, but, uh, (laughs) but what she found was, hey, wait a second. Every time I go in the refrigerator, my meal prep foods are gone. He's eating the wild caught salmon. He's eating the quinoa. He even likes sweet potatoes now because that had not been presented to him before. So that's why you think they may not like it. It's just a lot of times it's the way that you present things. And having the com- not having the conversation around food is almost as important as having the conversation around food. So, for example, my son, grandson knows nothing more than like avocado avocado toast is his jam in the morning. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so sweet potatoes for, and he's one strawberries, fresh fruits and vegetables. They don't provide, they don't give him meat protein. So um, like chickpeas, he knows that. So I think it's part of you setting that standard and not making a big deal about it and then allowing them to eat what you're eating. And if you're setting that good example, you will have kids that eat well. Like my kids eat really well and they eat anything at all because I've always put a lot of different things in front of them. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Is it important to get them involved with the process of picking out foods and cooking the foods as they get older? Yeah. Thanks so much for saying that. It is. It's super important. So, um, you know, like my oldest son, actually, that's how I became a vegetarian. He came back home between undergrad and grad school. And I'm like, let's have a meatless Monday. He's like, okay. So I start, we both started and that was almost 15 years ago on that one meatless Monday, but I had always taught them to cook. They all, I'm like, you might marry a woman who doesn't know how to cook. You need to know how to cook for yourself. Um, So when we went to the grocery store, it wasn't like you go down this aisle, I'll go down that aisle, or you stay in the car. It was like, Hey, you go pick out this vegetable or this piece of fruit. And so they knew how to touch the top of the pear to make sure it was ripe. Making them part of the process, I believe, also made it easier for them to eat those foods going to the farmer's market because they got to see where the food came from. They got to touch the food. They got to select the food their own. So having them as part of the process um, is, I think, super impactful into having them want to eat more healthy. You know, they can be a kid can be three years old and cut up their own strawberries with the proper tools. Um, So yeah, always having them as part of the process, then it just becomes second nature. You are what you learn. Like, just like with education, you know, you want to put good books and good things in front of your kids so that they're smart and they learn things, do the same exact thing with food. If you're putting it in front of them, that's what they'll learn to eat. That's fantastic. Um, You know, one of the, I say, I say funny, because mm-hmm. I used to, I used to use this where I used to say the same thing. I used to, I guess I used to have the perception that and so many people have that eating expense or eating healthy is too expensive. Yeah. I was able through my transformation of my food intake and my body and all of this, I also transformed my finances. And so I actually, because I run my personal finances like a business, that means I track all of my expenses. And so I can tell you in 2021, 
I, I know exactly how much I spent on food that year. And my average meal cost was about $350, $375. That is per meal. So it's just wow. over $10 per day. And I shop at Giant Eagle too, which is not the cheapest oh grocery my store. <laughs> yeah. and, and so it's Wow. It's, you know, I'm gonna wait, first of all, we gotta digress because you're gonna have to send me Sure, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm, I'd be happy to, but you know the the, the point I, that I, I want to make is that you, or I guess the myth I want to dispel is that eating healthy is not more expensive than eating unhealthy when you are focusing on making your own meals. Now, if I were to go out to eat and say spend thirty dollars on a meal, that's essentially ten meals for me that I could have made for myself. So when you think about the economics of it, and you have a you change your relationship with money at the same time, mm-hmm. it becomes a no brainer. Yeah, you're right. And I do the same thing. I do track every, I run my personal expenses. Like I do my business expenses. Um, but I haven't got the per meal cost. I just know how much money I spent on groceries last yeah. year. But I, so even a different perspective, think about this between 17 and 19, I spent $20,000 plus out of pocket. That doesn't include the travel back and forth to the three different uh, states, right. two world-renowned medical facilities. I spent all of that money out of pocket. I even sold, I had just bought a car. I even sold my car um, and started driving the older car that I had just to save money because I was paying for all of these doctors trying to figure out what was wrong with me. I could have taken that $20,000, gone to Giant Eagle <laughs> and ate for what, 10 plus years kind yes. of thing. So, so think not only um, around the per meal cost, think about long-term costs. So how much does your script cost? How much does it cost every time you go to the doctor's office to get blood work done? How much does you know those emergency hospital room stays cost? All of that adds up and people don't think about that when they say it costs a lot to eat healthy. You know, put two big thing pots outside this summer and grow some bell peppers and tomatoes kind of thing. So there's ways around eating healthy. Um, And I think thinking don't just think about the food costs. As I said, you need to think about that overall cost. And then even the cost is not related to money. Like what does you not eating healthy due to your relationships, to your lifestyle, to how does that impact your ability to even work? So the cost becomes much, much greater when you could go to the store uh, and get some zucchini and quinoa. (laughs) That's a fantastic point. It's that the opportunity cost that we don't think about. Um, there's a, there's a rock climber that anybody in the rock climbing world will know his name. Anybody who's not in the climbing world probably doesn't, but his name is Alex Honnold. And he got famous a few years ago for uh, free soloing uh, El Capitan and at Yosemite. And uh, free soloing is basically climbing without a rope. And it's a 3,000 foot wall, which is insane. I Believe me, I, I understand how insane it is as a rock climber myself. But I... I when I watched that film and I watched a bunch of subsequent interviews with him, he made the kind of absurdist but still true point that, you know, I'm taking a certain kind of risk. And, you know, most Americans take another kind of risk with their own health, not dissimilar from the risk I'm taking, mm-hmm. that they eat fast food every single day. They don't take care of themselves in the sense that they're not concerned with what they put into their bodies. Now, again, it's a little bit absurd to compare uh, rock climbing without rope to 
eating poorly, but the point is still there that we take all, all we take so much of this unmitigated unmitigated risk with the food that we put into our into our bodies, but we don't consider that it could be the same have the same effect as driving down the freeway at 100 miles an hour without a seatbelt on. It can still end up with us, unfortunately leading to an untimely death. Yeah. And so and I was going to say, you you did the driving scenario, but even back to the rock climbing, like that's not a weird comparison because you fall to your death. Right. <laughs> you keep eating until you die or you fall and get injured. You keep eating until you are on a, a certain type of medication. So um, yeah, it's not, it's not too far off. Uh, I, I don't think that people really think about it. And we've mentioned it a couple of times, but it goes back to that core, like the girl that had to eat the Snickers, like there was something else going on with her that caused her not to want to get past that or not caused her not to want to get healthy. That's why I think going through the mindset of, uh, are you eating because it's emotional hunger or is it physical hunger? What behaviors are prompting you to eat? So I had to do a deep dive as well. So again, when I was sick, I was like 100% in. I I don't like if I get a tickle in my throat, I'm like, I know which herbs to take. I know what I need to do. I don't like to be sick at all. But I had to, um, when I got start feeling better, then I'm like, every once in a while, I would dabble a little bit too much. And I had to start thinking, I like what behavior is causing me to even want to think about ever being sick again. And it was boredom for me. Like, all right, so you need to find some hobbies, find a friend, you need to exercise more. So when you start to to get to that root cause of why you are saying to yourself, I am not valuing myself, and I don't mean this in any disrespectful way, but I'm not valuing myself enough to watch what I'm putting in my mouth, get to that real root cause of why you're not doing that. And then that's when the work can start. And I think that's when you can make the changes. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um. I know we've scratched the surface today. I think we scratched the surface last time. Um, let me just ask the blunt question. How, how sick were you? If you're willing to talk about it. Oh, heck yeah. I don't, I love it. I, I shouldn't say I loved it like with joy, but I love to talk about it because I've overcome and yeah. I, it was so easy to overcome. It took a long time, but it was easy. So it was weird because I wasn't the same type of sickness every day, but it was because I was eating something different every day and I hadn't made the relationship between the two. So I had flutters in my eye, which means I would look sometimes and I just see black little stars floating. Um, I had heart palpitations walking up 10 stairs, like I had to stop and could barely breathe, tingling in my hands and feet. Um, my hair was falling out. Um, what else? There was a ton of different things going on in my body. And I um, I was having some serious female hormonal issues related to it as well. Yeah. And I, again, I just wasn't making that relationship that food was the cause of all of this. Because I was so sick, because it was different every day, because 18 doctors and two world-renowned medical facilities said, we can't find anything, anxiety came on top of that. And I think anxiety was the worst thing for a couple of reasons. One, because smarty pants Stephanie was like, ah, people that are anxious, they're just weak, just suck it up kind of thing. And I always publicly apologize to those people because I know what it feels like now. And I truly am sorry. Um, but the anxiety set in where I was, dri- I would be driving, I was driving down like a, in our area, a major highway. Um, and I froze in the middle of the highway, like 
I'm like, all right, I got to pull over. And I couldn't pull to the right where you should. I just pulled to the left just and sat there until my husband came and got me. So that's how bad it had gotten. And for me to have that level of anxiety and not take any pills for anxiety or depression and for, you know, all the, the, the onset of neuropathy, my A1C levels being high, my white blood cells being low, all of that, I the only thing that I've done is change the way that I eat, the way that I think, and the way that I move my body. Yeah. And I'm not, and I, I'm, I'm going to say something real quick. That may not end up being everyone's story. Sure. That may not end up. So I don't want to say, you know, someone may be really sick and be listening to this and be like, oh yeah, you can do that or what have you. I don't want to say that, you know, it's going to be magic for you. I, I had tons of time one-on-one with the Lord during those two years too, yeah. like praying, meditating, reading scripture. Um, just, I was totally devoted to uh, the Lord. I always am, but even at a higher level, because I knew that he was going to heal my body. So that was part of my process. So I'm not saying that you may be sick right now and you may not, um, uh, you may just think this is kind of fluff or whatever, but I'm telling you that even if you are sick, so let's say someone's listening and they have type two diabetes. If you get really serious and no disrespect to any medical, uh, medical person, but if you get really serious don't go to a nutritionist, go to a functional medicine or a naturopathic doctor, change the way that you're eating. I can guarantee, pretty much guarantee that your, your A1C, all of that is going to start to change for you once you set yeah. your mind to making that change. Yes. Um, you are not the first person to mention a functional wellness doctor. And did you, or, or, I think I, Nika Laurie, did, was, did she, yeah. you're connected with her, right? Yes, she's yeah. awesome. Yeah, no, she she definitely is, and yeah. um, we had a, a, a long in depth conversation about something very similar. And I, mm-hmm. I don't know. If I, I'm, I'm fortunate, and I'm thankful that I have not needed to go through. I, I'll just say it: I, I have not gone through what you've gone through, mm-hmm. um, and I have not needed a functional wellness uh, doctor. But it just it sounds like the way they operate the way they work with somebody to find that I I don't, I I really don't know how to describe exactly what they do, but to me, it just, it, it, the, the, the idea is that our health and wellness and and our our medical system needs to, it needs to evolve. It needs to, because nutrition isn't a part of uh, their studies, as far as I understand it, at least very little. And so I just, I, I feel like what, you know, what you had to go through, they were looking for, they were trying to use a, a blunt instrument uh, to fix you, whereas you need nuance and a little bit of uh, a guidance in regard to nutrition or what you put in your body. It just, I don't know. It just seems broken to me. It's so, so it is, it is completely broken. And I think because so many people are on the health and wellness kick and there's opportunity to make money now, I can see a little switch. Um, but as far, so the different, the reason I went to 18 different doctors, because I had to go to, and I don't think I ever went to an endocrinologist though. My primary care was the one with the, the, when my A1C was higher. So I went there, I went to, um, I was having problems with my, uh, sciatic and my neck and my back and my shoulders as well. But I think that was all the stress being held on my body. So I physical therapist operates different than the heart doctor that I had to go to operates different than the people testing for cancer that I had to go to. They all have their unique specialties 
And when they don't talk to each other, that's the problem. They don't talk to each other. Um, I finally had a chiropractor and my physical therapist. My physical therapist loved me. He was awesome. So he's like, I can't figure this out. I don't know what's going on. I'm going to call your doctors and we're going to meet and help you. I'm like that. So that's me because, you know, we had a really good relationship. It's not normal. A functional medicine person starts off looking at the root cause. Like, let's look at the whole you. Like, what is going on at home? Okay, so you're having problems with your spouse. All right, good. Let me jot that down. What's going on with you at work? You're like, hey, I'm here because my hands are tingling and so forth. But they take all of that information and do a deep dive into what is really going on with you, the whole person, and then help you get to the the path that you need in order to recover. And that's why I love the work that I do, because before you even get started with me, we do a hair mineral analysis. If you have an autoimmune um we will either do like a Dutch test or we will do um, like a GI stool map test. So like I need to figure out deeper what's going on. And then I ask you kind of home life personal questions like who's cooking for you? How often do you cook at home? What's your relationship with food? What's your relationship with your spouse? Like all of that helps me come up with a plan for you. And that's what functional medicine uh, doctors do for you as well. Like you can't just treat just the heart, like there's more going on. So I go on, I'm sorry, I went on a tangent on that one, but I, I get so frustrated. Some of the, some of the big boxes to wrong note, but like Cleveland Clinic, Cleveland Clinic has now have, I think they have, I don't know if they have naturopaths, I think they do, but they actually have yoga and more mindset type of things for their cancer patients because they're starting to get that you have to treat the whole person, not just the symptom. Yeah. Um, let's, let's break some stigma here because when I hear naturopath, I, I, it still feels, I I don't know what that word means. And so because of that, it feels like it's woo to me, but Mm -hmm. so, so much of where medicine is going is I don't want to necessarily, because this is going to be kind of an ignorant statement. I, I, it's, it seems like it's going back toward Eastern medicine Mm -hmm. and, but I don't know, like in regard to uh, oncology and and cancer and eating eating like the to me the what I've read is that if you more, have more of a ketogenic diet while you have cancer, you're more likely to feel better through the treatment as well as have a higher success rate in clearing the cancer. That again, that I don't have any research to back that up right now. That's just what I've read. So having that nuanced approach to to medicine, it just it seems like it it's so much more effective and so some of those words, like even yoga to a certain extent, when it comes to, you know, treating an ailment, I think a lot of people would roll their eyes at, but I think so much of this needs to, this stigma needs to be broken. And a lot of that is in the messaging and the marketing. And also a lot of that is pulling the power away from insurance companies and, and big pharma. And I'm just, I know that's, that's a big uphill battle. I, I mean, hopefully we can start with this conversation. Yeah. So you're right about the stigma. So, um, and I'll, I'll take it from my religious background. Um, that's why I didn't go with Eastern first. Cause I thought yoga is woo yoga is praying to Buddha or praying to a different God or meditating on a different God. And I'm not going to do that. But when I, so there's, 
you don't have to do that part. So in the in the Bible, it tells you to meditate on the word of God. So you get to choose what you're meditating on when you're doing a quote unquote exercise. It's more about your body, how your body's moving. Like you, when I had digestive issues, there's yoga moves that actually help with digestion. Like that's magic. Like no pill, no medicine that's being recalled because actually the one of the medicines they would have put me on was recalled. Um, none of that, I was able to move my body differently. So I want people to understand that the movement of yoga is what helps you heal your body and the fact that your body needs to heal, to move anyway. If you're, if you are not into the, or you feel as if it's more like, praying to someone or meditating on something you have that's your brain your own mind you have the option to meditate on your own beliefs if that's part of it or you can go to a yoga studio where they don't even practice anything like that so i think the the labeling of eastern versus western medicine often gets people confused and anxious about things and they don't want to quote unquote do eastern medicine but if you think this is i'm just shouting out to my to my people who have their religious heads on. If you think about it, like there was, you know, Luke in the Bible was a doctor, but he wasn't operating on you for cancer. He was giving you an herb to take, right? (laughs) So so I I just think it's really um, key that we start to think about more widely and broadly about what is already given to us to heal our body. Um, I had a friend who, she did go to the Cleveland Clinic. She did what they told him her to do, but she also implemented a lot of functional medicine, a lot of herbs, and uh, had a naturopathic doctor. And to this day, completely believes that's why she was able to heal so easily, so quickly, um, and not have some of the reoccurring effects that you often have when you're under cancer treatment. You have to listen to your doctor. You need to listen to your doctor, but you also want to find your medical, especially when you have cancer or heart disease, any yeah. anything that's going to cause you to be uh, sick or to pass, please listen to your medical doctor. They, they are educated. They are smart. But ask them, hey, do you mind working with? And that's a doctor you want. When that doctor says, oh, yeah, I'll work with your naturopath. I'll work with your functional medicine doctor, that's when the magic actually happens. And that's, that's the mindset that I like for people to get to. Absolutely. And I mean, for myself, I, I, I do want to clarify, I mean, there's some incredible advances in medicine out oh, there yeah. from robotics yeah. to uh, gene editing. I mean, it's all absolutely phenomenal. Now, do I feel good about the pharmaceutical industry? Not necessarily, but the way that science is pushing the envelope on longevity and how we can live better lives and how we can recover from serious injuries. I mean, that's very important. Yes. And it's just, it's a, as you st- stated, it's, a, it's an intermingling of the two. And so much of it, which we have not touched on, well, we've kind of touched on today is taking responsibility for your own health and knowing what is best for you. Mm-hmm. I, I love that you said that because I did not go to any doctor without my medical records. I did not leave a doctor's office without my medical report. I just had my blood work done. I had had it done in two weeks, two years, and I was teaching a class. And I'm telling women to do that, and I'm like, oh yeah, I should probably do that because. 
because I would be a hypocrite. So I had my work done and my doctor, she laughed at me. She's like, you don't have migraines? You don't have, she kept asking me. I'm like, no, doctor, I'm not sick. So when I was leaving, she's like, I guess you're going to want your report. I'm like, yes, I want my report. Um, Because you need to own that. You need to own that information. You may not be able to read everything, Google the information, write down notes, go back and ask your doctor to explain it to you better. So when you're going, especially when you're sick, get all your medical records, take them with you. And if you start to actually read them, for me, I will say a lot of that information was wrong. Like I would tell them I was doing X, Y, Z, or especially supplements. You have to be really, really careful when you're in different supplements. Yeah. If they're trying to prescribe you something, I would tell them that, but they were like, oh, it's just a supplement. We don't need to write that down. I'm like, no, you do. <laughs> so on, owning your own healthcare is important. Asking questions, recognizing that you are the customer. Yes. Don't be intimidated by the two, uh, the M and a D behind someone's name because they're human just like you. And they don't know everything. They're super smart people, but they don't know everything. You know what's going on in your body. You know how you feel. So it's super important that you own that. Yeah, I love that. And it goes back to the beginning when we talked about keeping track of what you're eating and Mm -hmm. keeping track about how it feels, owning that information and keeping track of those metrics from how you're sleeping to your blood work and all of that. It just, it, it, it is so powerful in how you can kind of get a grip on how you're feeling and what, what inputs and outputs you get from certain foods or exercises or all of that. And that's, that's, that's so important. Yeah. It's powerful too. When you walk in and I will tell you, um, even my mom, so my mom, my dad and I go to the same primary well, my dad goes to her father-in-law. But um, when I walk in there, we have a different conversation than she has with my mom and with a lot of her other patients because she knows that I'm going to ask her the questions. I'm yeah. going to push her. I'm not going to allow her to tell me what needs to happen unless she's listening to me. If she's listening to me, she's like, no, Stephanie, you need to have your colonoscopy kind of all right, fine. She's listened to me. She knows what's going on. She is the doctor. I respect that, but I believe that it provides another level of respect from the doctor to the patient when they know that you are concerned about your health enough to track and know what's going on in your body. Yes, absolutely. Um, I know we're coming up on an hour here, but I I do want to ask what you're currently working on um, professionally. Uh, What... uh, what, 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 as I guess the world gets back to normal again, fingers mm-hmm. crossed. Um, yeah. I mean, are you, are you doing more coaching? Are you, I, 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 are you doing more things in regard to uh, corporate, uh, working with corporations? What, what are you currently working on? Yeah. So it's a little bit of both. I just created and launched my first course yesterday um, because there's some people that are still kind of on the fence, like, oh, do I, make the investment and what Stephanie really likes. So I did launch my first course yesterday. Thank you. Unlock the secret weight loss. Um, But it's primarily talking about hormones, inflammation and metabolism in the body. So I did do that. And then my, I, my, started to also do some mindset training for coaches. So business coaches, foundations um, are getting folks to where they need to go. And then all of a sudden, you know, people are procrastinating or people um, are uh, 
in, in this zone where they think they need to be a perfectionist. So I'm helping some businesses around that, talking to, to their organizations around that. That's my jam. That's what I like to do. I really love to be in front of that corporate setting. And, the, um, and I still am working on uh, helping women one-on-one. I always do a hair mineral analysis with my one-on-one clients. And then we walk through again. Um, changes in your hormones, metabolism, inflammation, and your mindset to get you where you need to go. So those those are the business things that are going on with me. That's amazing. Um, in regards to working with clients one-on-one, is that all in-person? Is it all virtual or is it a kind of a combination of the two or just depending on where they're located? It's all virtual. So we do everything uh, over Zoom. That's great. I mean that that's I mean that opens you up to be able being able to work with anybody across the country and the world. That's awesome. It does. Yeah, yeah. Great. Well, Stephanie, as always, it's been such uh, an incredible experience getting to catch up and chat with you. I I don't know. As I mentioned, I love having these conversations around health and wellness. Um, but before I let you go, I do want to ask you a few closing questions and the first I just, I mean, I, I want to be as much of a benefit for you as I possibly can. So I like to ask the question, what are you looking for either professionally or personally? And let's just say somebody listening across the country hears this and they say, I can help Stephanie. What is it that you're looking for? I am so per- professionally, I'm looking for speaking opportunities. I would love to get in front of uh, groups of people who are looking to learn more about how they can support their overall health and getting corporations to recognize how important this is um, in, in the growth of their company because healthy employees help their bottom line. So getting, getting in front of audiences to do presentations is where I'm at uh, professionally. That's great. Do you have any um, speaking engagements lined up this year? I don't this year. So that's part of um, my what I'm working on second quarter. So that's been first quarter was my course. Second quarter is my focus um, reaching out to to get some speaking engagements. I do have a couple um, um, one on ones, uh, not one on ones, but a couple of group classes that I'm doing for one's a, a, a business coach and again, another one's a foundation. So I'm working on that. But just that overall presentation that's something I'm interested in diving into more. That's great. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Um, my next question, I, I, it's one that I asked you previously, and I'm curious if it's the same answer or if you've changed your answer at all. But what, if you could name one book that's just had a profound impact in your life, either recently or in your life overall, what would that book be and why? So I was thinking about this, and last time I answered the Bible, so it always has to be that. But Absolutely. I actually have two. So, okay. yes. so the first one is How Not to Die by Dr. Michael Greger. And when I was going through all of my illness, I'm like, oh, wait, I didn't know you could, you know, eat and feel better. So, <laughs> so <laughs> eat right and feel better. So How Not to Die really, really impact not only that, but the trajectory that I took to help women. And recently I read, I heard about it for years, but Switch on Your Brain by Dr. Carolyn Leaf. Uh, it is It has been so impactful. So I use it, the process for my clients, but having understanding more about um, the neuroplasticity in our yeah. minds and how we can change our thoughts and the way that we act and react to things and understanding the science behind it is is phenomenal. So that's my, that's the one that I'm, I'm loving right now. That's amazing. I had not heard of either of those books. Um, so I will of course put those in the show notes and add them to my reading list. So thank you for that. Yeah. 
And then last but not least, Stephanie, if you could leave if you could leave the audience with a call to action that you live your life by, or that you even implore uh, your clients to live their lives by, what would it be? Yeah, I was thinking like a CTA, like uh, act right now. But <laughs> I think mine is start to see people. So um, I am, I, I do a pretty good job at this, but I'm trying to be even more aware of it. Things like you'll be in a restaurant and the waitress has a bad attitude. This has actually happened to me. Instead of having an attitude back, I, I've paused before and asked, is there something going on? How can I support you today? And yeah. you would be amazed. I've gotten tears. I've gotten a change of attitude. When you start to see people for who they are and recognize that um, there may be something else going on that you're not aware of, that's my personal call to action. Always making sure that I'm my, my heart is open enough to see what's really going on with folks. Oh, I love that. It's, there's so much compassion in that statement. That's that's a fantastic uh that's a, a fantastic practice. And I, I don't know, I, I feel like we're all so short-tempered and so consumed in our own thoughts that it, it's, we're not conditioned to do that. But when we're actually opening up ourselves to having a bit of empathy and, and wondering how, what experience this other person is having in the world, that just, that, that there's so much positivity in that. Yeah. Yeah, there is. There is. And you start to see yourself a little differently too. Like how am I showing up in the room uh, and how should I be showing up? Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, thank you so incredibly much for, for coming back, joining me, having this another amazing conversation. If people would like to find you online, if they'd like to connect with you, learn more about you, what is the best way for them to do that? They can go to my website, stephanielinshaw.com. And all of my information is on the website. Perfect. Stephanie, again, thank you so much. And I hope we can connect again soon. And then when you come and visit your son, we can grab coffee or something. That would be awesome, Trey. Yeah, let's make that happen. Perfect. Thank you again. All right. Thank you. Again, I would like to give a big thanks to Stephanie for coming back on the podcast and having another incredible conversation with me. If you're looking to feel good all of the time and you're looking for the resources to accomplish that goal, please check out the show notes at themosaiclifepodcast.com where you'll find all of Stephanie's contact information. I know she would love to hear from you. Again, that's themosaiclifepodcast.com. If you enjoyed this episode and you would do me the favor of leaving a five-star review, that would go a long way in helping this podcast continue to grow and take over the world. And of course, it absolutely means the world to me that you took time out of your day to listen to the podcast. I am so thankful and that is never taken for granted. Until next time, take care, do better, and be well. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.